Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 77. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the host of the Rootless Living Podcast and the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I've been a full-time RVer and digital nomad since 2017. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it is like to live a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Julie and we get into what it's like creating a personalized travel business and then COVID hits. But luckily you added a second business, like a complete pivot. It's a pet e-commerce shop you can run from anywhere. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right. With that, I want to welcome Julie to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I like kind of making fun of myself. Uh, Just fun fact in the beginning as we were kind of pre-calling, I had my mic all the way over in the corner. And, uh, oh man, it was kind of funny. I don't think I've ever done that where I'm not actually talking through the mic. Um, so hopefully everyone can hear me. I know you were having a hard time in the beginning, but we figured out the technical (laughs) difficulty of me moving a mic closer to my face. (laughs) I don't think I've ever had that. Where are you in the world right now, Julie? I am in Holland, Michigan. I am right next to Lake Michigan, which is one of the five great lakes. Um, it is beautiful and big. And for those people out there that don't know about the Great Lakes, Lake Michigan, when you stand on the shores of it, you actually can't see the other side, the other side being Wisconsin. Um, you, it, it looks like an ocean to a lot of people, except it's fresh water, not salt. Yeah, I think the first time I was there, I had that same kind of, I kept referring it to as an ocean or a beach, because, you know, being from California, if you're ever at a lake, you can see the other side. Like that's never been an issue. It was really weird to be at a lake that's that big for sure. Do you consider yourself a full-timer, part-timer, some-timer? I am a full-timer. I sold my house in most of my belongings back in 2016. Well, let's go back because I know we might even go back a little further because before 2016, you'd also been doing a lot of traveling as well too, but it sounds like a little bit more of a hybrid where you're still at a home, but doing a lot of traveling. Is that true? That's correct. Nice. And where all did you travel? So I traveled a lot internationally. I actually lived in Greece for about a year and I go back frequently um, for anywhere from a month to a couple months at a time. And so I've traveled around quite a bit of Europe. I did that for both work and leisure over the years. And um, I love, I also love Southeast Asia. So between Greece, Europe, Southeast Asia, um, those are probably my two favorite spots in the world. And then uh, more recently, um, over the last several years, traveling around the U.S. in an RV. Did you do any kind of U.S. travel before you went abroad or was there... You know, like I feel like a lot of people, the focus is going abroad, going to Europe, going to Asia. And like you just kind of segued in a way a little. There's so much to see here. Had you done a lot of travel in the United States first? Yeah, I actually did. I traveled. I've been to all but two states in the U.S. and I traveled a lot as a kid. My dad volunteered for an organization. Um, It was a faith-based organization kind of similar to maybe the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but um, within a church denomination. And he served on the board for that group. And so we traveled to a lot of events, um, 
throughout the U.S. during the summers for his work with that organization. And then he always made it into these bigger um, trips and adventures along the way. So I actually have been able to see throughout my childhood most of the U.S. And so part of my drive for wanting to RV in the U.S. as an adult now, several years later, um, has been to kind of rediscover those places that, you know, some of those places looked so big to me as a child. And now um, I've been able to see them again, kind of through a new set of eyes. And part of that journey was um, my father actually passed away in 2017 and so it's been kind of this interesting homage in a way maybe consciously and I'm um, subconsciously um, to just kind of rediscover some of these places that we were traveled to years and years ago like one example is in California I can remember I was maybe 12 years old, but I remember traveling in California with these big, huge farms and so many cows and just like as far as the eye could see, these massive farms. In this past winter, I was in California in one of those same areas and now it's all houses. And so it's just been this interesting contrast to see the country in a different light. Yeah, I do. I totally like get the, you know, how much bigger things seemed when we were younger. I mean, even, you know, revisiting like my childhood home that I hadn't been out of that many years. But so even as in a, like a young adult, 18, it's weird how big I thought that house was. And then you go back and it's, it's not. And yeah, I can speak to, I spent about 40 years in California. So just even seeing like Orange County that doesn't really have oranges anymore. <laughs> it was, you know, it's not Berry Farm. There's no berry farms around there anymore. It's all city. So I totally see both of that. Well, in 2016, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I was it, this is a conversation with your dad that you were going to be, you know, jumping in an RV full time and traveling or um, like take me through the process, how you decided to get in an RV and start traveling. Yeah, so um, at the beginning of that year, I had purposefully um, moved to Southeast Asia for about a five-month period. So I was in Southeast Asia for about five months, and then I was in Greece for a couple of months and then came back home to Michigan. That's where Michigan is where I grew up, and that's where my home was located. And so I rented out my house for that period of time. I had left a corporate job. Um, I had been with them for about five years. It was a startup that grew very rapidly. And so by the end of five years, I needed a break um, and decided to branch out on my own and do freelance work. And so um, I knew that I wanted to travel, wasn't sure that I wanted to sell my house quite yet. Um, So rented my house, went to Southeast Asia for five months, Greece for about two months, came back to Michigan and was trying to decide what life was going to look like in terms of travel. I had made the decision while I was abroad to sell my house. So I was in that process. And then I um, found out just about all of these 
people that were, I'm in my forties, I'm in my mid forties, I'll admit it. Um, And, but I found out about all of these people around my age that were all of a sudden purchasing RVs and working remotely from the road and going to all of these amazing places. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And I started investigating a little bit more and I thought I really would like to revisit some of these places in the U.S., but I was also thinking about it as if I sell my house, an RV is a great place to still have a base in the U.S. so that I can, you know, come home to Michigan in the summers. It's beautiful in Michigan in the summers. See all the people I need to see. Then I can still travel in the U.S. or leave my RV somewhere and travel abroad. And so I came back home to Michigan, and I actually did have this discussion with my dad. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be up so much in this podcast, but I did have this discussion with my dad about RVing, and just he has pulled trailers and RVs before. So we had this discussion between should I do a motorhome or should I pull a travel trailer? And then, um, I kind of made the decision to start looking for a motor home and no more than two weeks later, after that conversation with my dad, he passed away. And a week after he passed away, my house had been on the market, my house sold. So it was this crazy whirlwind um, of that happened in September. It was this crazy whirlwind. I found in a motor home thankfully in October because my house has sold and I was going to be homeless. Um, And I sold most of my belongings in this whirlwind month through Facebook marketplace and friends taking things and goodwill and other things. And I found an RV. I knew nothing about, or sorry, I found a motor home. It was a class C motor home. I knew nothing about RVs compared to what I know today. And in December, um, so that was in October, in December, I took off to head to an escapers event because I learned about escapers on Facebook. And so I thought, okay, that's going to be a destination. I'm going to head to this place called Quartzsite, Arizona (laughs) that I knew nothing about, but it looked interesting and escapers looked interesting. So I had it out, and like I said, I knew nothing about motorhomes. I discovered later that my tires on my motorhome were old. I didn't know that. I had a big blowout in Arizona, and all of these things. Like, I just did it and went for it, and now, four years later, I know a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you were hesitant to, like, probably not say the term expert. I always find that funny when... Because I, I don't recall being like an expert renter or an expert homeowner. And I like that you yeah. kind of hesitated there that it, we're still always learning. But I will say that, yeah, Arizona in the summer, uh, that's a way to find out if your tires are old for sure, just because of the heat and everything that goes around with it. But that's, you're right, as a car owner, it's not something, I don't think I ever knew that as a car owner, like even how to find the date of my tires on a car or a truck and so it is those things yeah like that's like one of those moves that you can do to find out who's like been RVing for a while you know kind of a question you can ask um how was the transition though I mean were you it sounds like with a lot of travel you probably didn't have a ton of stuff I don't want to make an assumption I know for a lot to go from whatever square footage home you had to 
I'll assume is somewhere around 200 square feet now. How was that transition for you? It was freeing. It was, I loved every minute of it. And I still love, like, every two months I maybe go through my RV and get rid of stuff. If I haven't used it in two months, there's, and there's not, you know, some attachment or future purpose for it, it's gone. So I love, I had a 1,500 square foot house um, and I had carried, I moved so much through my adult life with college and different jobs. I had so much stuff that I was taking with me from house to house and it was just crazy. The amount of things that I had that I hadn't used in years, but I was keeping with me just in case, just in case. And so it was so freeing for me just to offload that. I now have everything that I own is either in my RV or I do have at my sister's house, like one box of large box of memorabilia. So photos and um, home videos that kind of thing, as well as some paintings, um, some artwork that are very precious to me that I couldn't fit (laughs) in my RV. Um, And a couple other odds and ends that are just either valuable or really precious to me that I I couldn't take with me. But other than that, everything that I own fits in here and it just feels so free. Um, I had so much stuff that was just stuck in an attic and didn't have any use and now I just feel so much lighter and just gosh so much happier yeah I don't know where we got programmed to like collect things like I don't know where the real science behind it comes from um and I know it probably started a lot in the depression you hear about some of the the older generation how especially like on farms I think I've learned this a lot like they just never let anything go but they had a lot of land and room and barns and things to hold on to these things. I just don't know where like our generation, you know, got caught in that because it's weird that no matter what happens in my life moving forward, if I decide one day that I'm not going to have an RV as part of my life and go back to a bricks and sticks, it'll never be the way that I lived in a bricks and sticks before in regards to things. I just won't collect things the way I used to. It's really weird. But I mean, it's funny. I mean, this is kind of an interesting little segue. I was just reading about like Costco and how they put these $5,000 TVs as you walk in. And I remember seeing those and be like, who's buying a $5,000 TV? And it's they don't even want to sell them. They just want you seeing $5,000. And now everything else as you walk through seems really affordable. And I was like, we're just getting oh. mind screwed all the time. And we don't even realize it. Like that's literally, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm always trying to like figure out where did we get to the point where we felt we needed to keep these things. Um, and I, I probably, I could speak for you as I do for myself. And I just wish I would have learned this a lot younger, you know, not in my forties. I wish I would have learned it maybe in my twenties. I think it just would have been a better experience. Well, you said in the beginning that, you know, when you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I I say that so often, (laughs) like how come I'm in my mid forties that I'm still learning these things, but I think life is just about 
learning and growing. And um, so I think if we look at it as a beautiful thing and as a healthy thing, it doesn't seem as happy and and dreary when we (laughs) wonder why we didn't know this 20 years ago. Yeah, I think one of the things that would make me the happiest if I had like an under storage that had nothing in it, like just one little area, because I still, you know, there's an area you still yeah. you still put stuff in it. There's a drawer you put stuff in it. Um, I still have a little bit of that. And it would just would be fun to have this like where you lift open the bay and it's empty. I think other RVers would be like, why is it empty? <laughs> even even though we have less stuff. Well, you talked about, you know, that you, you kind of discovered it, that people go full-time in an RV while still working. And, and actually right around the same time I did 2016, I didn't, I didn't know that people did this outside of retirement. I kind of knew this is a retirement thing to do. And how, I mean, were you still remote with the same company? Cause it sounds like you were saying that that job was kind of ending at that time. What were you doing for work when you took off, took off? And is it the same thing you're doing today? Yeah, so when I took off in the RV, I had transitioned to freelance work. So I was doing, um, I'm a writer, and so I was writing a lot of content for other companies. um, And I was getting some contracts with clients that required uh, even more than content writing, um, some marketing and graphic design and web development. And so I was kind of building a team of contractors to help with those sorts of things that my clients needed. Um, And so, and I uh, simultaneously, I was running a travel business. So I was really wanting to build my travel blog and um, specifically focused on Greece and Italy at the time. And I actually was leading some tours in Greece and I did that and it was growing pretty well until 2020 hit (laughs) and everything kind of came crashing down in the travel industry for a lot of us. And so I put the brakes on that. And during 2020, I acquired a pet boutique. It's an e-commerce pet store. I bought that, started that, and realized how much I love e-commerce. One of my clients um, before 2020 was actually an e-commerce client for a popular clothing brand. And so and I was managing their Shopify site and I knew that I just loved that work for some reason. And so when I acquired this pet business, I just absolutely fell in love with e-commerce. And so I've been doing that as well as freelance writing. And now actually just recently this month have really started to ramp up my travel business again. And we've actually become a travel agency now. There's a lot of people out there that are still hesitant about travel, even though they want to travel, but are hesitant about booking it because of the pandemic. And so this was a great opportunity and great time for me to um, start up the travel business again. And I'm booking international travel for people. You know, it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast on the start of Expedia and it's funny that the pain point they were trying to fix was not having to talk to a travel agent. 
and just being able to book the stuff on yourself. And I'm noticing yeah. that these, these disruptors are now almost pivoting the other way now. Now it's going back to kind of that customer service side of stuff where you want to actually speak to a human to be able to ask the questions, you know, especially in and around travel. It's so funny to me that we get all excited about this. Oh, I don't have to talk to a human. And we do that for a couple of decades. And then we go back to, I really need to talk to someone. (laughs) It's funny that I see that. So it sounds like that will probably come back for you. Yeah, it was the same for me. I thought, well, why would I ever, like I heard, you know, people, I felt like people, retired people. I don't mean to, I'm not, this isn't a matter of ageism. I'm not, I am stereotyping, but I'm, you know, people who kind of were of that generation of travel agents, maybe I should phrase it that way. Um, You should probably edit some of that out. (laughs) No, no, I think everyone (laughs) understands what you're saying. It's all fun and games. It's nobody's getting offended on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But um, so that generation that always, you know, kind of relied on travel agents because we didn't have social media and we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all these things coming at us quickly. We, you know, we all realized that technology is still fairly new And so, but I was of the vein of, well, why would you use a travel agent? Like you can do it all yourself and you can do it for so much cheaper and you can find deals. But what I started to realize was, and this is one of the reasons that I started um, doing my tours to Greece, leading tours, was because actually people really want to travel but they don't, it doesn't come easy to them like it does for me. It's very easy for me to jump on and, you know, book a trip for myself or for someone else. Um, but it doesn't come easy to everyone. And it is, you know, especially people that haven't traveled a lot or even if they've traveled a little and especially, you know, internationally outside of the U.S. Things are different, um, like currencies and rules and this kind of thing. And so... Um, I was always in that vein of, well, don't use a travel agent, just do it on your own. But now I see the value in it. And especially with the pandemic, like, you know, like you said, people are really turning back to travel agents. And so I hope I don't want to just be a travel agent who's booking a trip for you. Great. Let's book this, you know, $5,000 trip for you and I'll get a commission off from it great, you're done. No, I want to provide resources for people. And I want to make sure to continue my vision and mission with the travel business to make sure that people are really engaging with cultures and, you know, looking around corners with curiosity and um, not just traveling to a place to kick up their heels and, you know, go swim in the ocean, but to really engage and do things off the beaten path and not just do the touristy things. So I want to really be that avenue for people in the travel business. Yeah, I think that's actually really smart because as much as we see in the magazine and just, you know, if you're on social at all, you just see that the popular places are, guess what, getting really, really popular. And I've made the joke here on the podcast that, you know, if we put a fence around it and call it a national park, everyone flocks there. But there are within miles of a national park, there's still the same landscape, the same mountains. They're just not behind a fence. And it's funny. You could be out there by yourself, but it's just that you only know what you know. And, you know, the national parks do a good job of advertising. People do a good job of sharing it. And that's all they know. But 
if you can really get it down and, and find like the little local gems, I think it's a better experience for sure. And so I think, especially abroad, I mean, abroad is really, Mm -hmm. you, you, it's different. I mean, at least I think it's different in the sense that I'm not in that niche, but because I'm in, you know, the, like the RV United States niche that even if I didn't publish a magazine, there are ways to really be able to find information out. And, you know, there are different groups, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's states or national parks or whatever it is, I just don't know how easy that would be. It's probably just as easy, maybe. But it's so great to go to someone that's already been and you know, especially to someone that's lived there for a while and really understands the in and out. So I see that as a really cool business model. But I, I, I think the 180, though, that's kind of funny to me is that, I mean, I, I mean, kudos to you, too, for not just being like, well, damn, there's my travel business because of COVID. And then, you know, I'll just wait. You, It's a huge pivot for me. Maybe it's not for you. But to go from that to the yeah. pet boutique is just kind of... It's funny, yeah. but I get it too. And, and it's great that you love it and you're enjoying it. But take me through that process. Like, how did you go from yeah. just even that and doing that? Yeah, that, that is a great question. And it is a pivot. Well, first of all, I'm a pet lover. I have a dog. He is oh, everything to me. Um, my travel buddy, he's the best RV partner in the world, I think at least. <laughs> and, um, So I always had this dream and this has come from my travel lifestyle, my love for travel, but in my deep love for cultures and learning about different cultures, I've had a dream dream for several years to create either a physical shop or an e-commerce shop that sold human goods, not pet goods, but human goods for lack of a better term. Um, that were eco-friendly. Um, I've been to many places around the world, places like the Maldives, where you know ocean pollution is affecting people's lives. It's it's you know it's real, and um, so eco-friendly materials, um, ethically made materials, um, organic materials. So I had this dream to have this shop one day that really helped you know, give creators um, jobs and, you know, sold their material to people um, that were eco-friendly, ethically, purposely made products. And so for several years, I've always been, I get like these weekly emails about e-commerce sites and shops that are for sale. And so I'm always perusing through thinking, you know, oh, just dreaming one day, one day, one day. And um, last year, um, actually almost a year ago, um, from today, I was perusing through one of those emails and I saw this pet boutique for sale and I thought, Hmm, that's interesting. And I read it and the description that they laid out in the ad was almost identical to the shop that I wanted to create for human products. So it really intrigued me. And to make a very long story short, after several conversations over about a month and a half with the previous owners, I decided to take on the business. And so they had kind of let the business go um, because of some health issues. And they really wanted the business to go to someone who would really care for it. They had several offers on the table. Um, from people who were just going to 
take the product and throw it in a warehouse and use all of the um, Facebook followers and um, their email list. Um, And they said no to all of those um, offers. And they said yes to mine because I wanted to take it in a similar direction, yet a little bit different, but a similar direction as to what their original vision was. And so I took it over and it was a surprise to me, but it came at a time um, during the pandemic when I was very nervous because my travel business was tanking quickly. Um, And it came at a great time and I just love it. It's so much fun. Um, And so it is a 180, but an awesome, surprisingly good 180. Yeah, it's funny. I'm a big believer in this like idea of not having all your eggs in one basket. And as I continue to kind of grow up my portfolio, this is something else I wish I learned when I was in my 20s and something I've tried to talk to my kids about. Like, just don't get the one full-time job. You know, if you have a full-time job, you better have a side hustle. If you have one side hustle, maybe have two or three. So then that way, you know, if one folds or changes or just, you know, I mean, like if you think about if you had this boutique in 2015, you know, on and really been able to grow it for a couple of years. And by the time the pandemic hit, and even if the travel stuff just, you know, kind of went on pause for a while, you wouldn't miss a beat. And I feel like that kind of stuff, it's really smart to have these 180s where one industry has nothing to do with the other in a way that if there is a change in the industry, you're still pretty protected. Um, I want to ask just some business questions because I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are trying to figure out like, how do I make income on the road? What was it about like just not starting your own from scratch? If they'd kind of let it fade, uh, were there products that came with it? Or was it just that, you know, some of the work was done. They had a little bit of a reputation. Like why not just start from scratch, especially someone that understands Shopify? Yeah, great question. So starting from scratch, um, <laughs> I was going to say it terrified me. <laughs> I don't know if it, it it didn't actually terrify me, but I had done enough research um, to know that starting from scratch is really difficult. And I think as probably most of your listeners know, um, most startups don't make it. And so I knew setting out that um well okay so sorry back up so first of all they there was products that came with it um so I which was a whole ordeal because they lived in California and I was in Michigan stuck and we were both stuck in lockdown (laughs) at the time and so I had to have all the products shipped which was many sleepless nights because at the time and I mean and still it was shipping was iffy and risky but it made it (laughs) it was a wonderful day when the product actually made it to Michigan but um so there was product with it and they had actually a massive following already um which was very appealing to me especially because I had dipped my toes into marketing um, over the years and know enough, um, know enough to be dangerous, but so their following and their email list alone was very appealing and they have some very faithful customers. And so I knew that I would need to transition the business in a way that would, um, 
you know, ensure developing relationships with their existing customers, which has actually gone really well and just keeping up that family feel of the business that they had been doing. And so, um, so that was probably the biggest, I guess, appealing part is they had already established um, a base and now it was my job to grow that, which it has been doing. Um, we're actually in the midst of a big, huge website revamp um, right now to hopefully launch the end of this month. Um, and, you know, I had it in my head knowing that, okay, for the first year, you know, I can hopefully break even, but I'm not planning to, you know, have profit take home for this first year. And um, I've actually done better than I anticipated starting out and things are growing at a steady rate as projected and going really well. So I'm happy that I didn't start from scratch. Although I will say that now that I've been through the process for a year, I'm already, I already have some plans that I won't share, but I already have some plans that, uh, and an itch for some other potential e-commerce startups here and there around kind of the world of travel, but I'll keep those secrets till they're actually launched. <laughs> Very cool. No, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in the, you don't have to announce it before you get started. A lot of us times we lose the energy and the excitement as we announce it. And if you just keep it close to your chest and then announce it when it's launched, you do much better. Can I ask, do you sell any of the products on Amazon or is it all directly through your website? Great question. No, none of the products are sold on Amazon. I actually specifically work with um, vendors. So I curate um, all of the products. Um, we do have a private line now that, I'm slowly launching right now. It's just some pet bandanas, but we're going to be adding some toys and leashes um, to a private label that is sold in the store. And then the hope is to eventually wholesale the private label as well. But, um, but most of the vendors that I work with, um, I purpose are purposely selected um, that they don't sell on Amazon um, so that it is a more of a niche market. Um, our, the brands that we work with are high quality, um, like I said, eco-friendly, organic sort of thing. So a lot of them have a higher price point um, than some of the products that you would find at Amazon um, or some of the bigger bulk stores. Gotcha. Hey, the only reason I brought it up, and I think actually the business model is really smart, is I think a lot of times people don't realize that small businesses are the ones that are selling the products on Amazon. I think most people think it's Amazon you're buying from mm -hmm. in a way, but it is. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I can see people that even have their own boutique store, their own online presence. And I've met quite a few that then still obviously have an Amazon presence as well in a way. And that was the only reason I was asking, but it does make sense to, yeah. you know, to be able to drive the traffic to you guys just to have those products going to you and especially as you move into private label it's very cool and don't worry folks at the end we'll we'll get the names of both these businesses but um and a little bit more info so it sounds like there's a lot of work kind of on your plate especially as travel starting to come back up and you're growing this business with a relaunch when you're not traveling and when you're not working 
what are you doing for fun? What's your, what we like to refer to as exploring. What are you doing is for like hobbies and things like that? Yeah. Great question. Um, well, one of my hobbies is photography and I've, I haven't done a lot with photography and actually I sold one of my good cameras, um, when I sold my house (laughs) and I have regretted that. And so that is actually on my list to purchase a good camera again. Um, but I love to go for walks. I love to visit beaches and look for just kind of that, that perfect shot. I love photography. Um, and what I, so that's, that's a hobby. What I do for fun is I enjoy being around bodies of water. So this past winter, I bought an inflatable kayak, which I am enjoying so much. It weighs 30 pounds. It wraps up in a bag. I can stuff it in my, um, in my, uh, RV basement. Um, so I love doing stuff like that. I love going for walks and I recently, it hasn't arrived yet. Surprise, surprise, because of, the, because of the pandemic, but I also just bought an electric bike. I love to bike, um, but I've been learning about electric bikes and seeing a lot of them around the campgrounds. And so I bought an electric bike or I I've ordered it and it'll hopefully be here in a few weeks. So I'm really excited about that just to go on longer, um, bike trips and, um, have the energy to get back with some pedal assist. (laughs) Yeah. I recently, uh, just in the last two months got an electric bike. And so, yeah, when we went on the, when we left in 2017, the first thing we bought were like hard case kayaks and we have a, basically a, like a back basement. So we have a, a step up living room and under that is perfect area to store it in our fifth wheel. And, oh, nice. and then we had bikes. The problem was the bikes had to kind of go on top of the kayaks. And anytime you want the kayak, you had to pull out the bikes kind of a thing. So it just became one of those things where you start like, do we really want a kayak? That's a lot to like pull out and get <laughs> set up. Uh, so we decided to ditch the kayaks for now. And, and then we got electric bikes and I've been blown away by how much I enjoy it. I mean, we have a, we're here in uh, Montana. We found a little bike path or I should say Nikki did. And uh, we'll bring out the bikes and, and go. And it really has changed the game. And to the point where I definitely still want to get a kayak, but it will be an inflatable kind of moving forward for the same reasons you're saying. But I can't believe the electric bikes aren't bigger in this lifestyle. And people aren't talking about them more, especially the ones we got. I'm not going to get anyone a free product placement, but ours fold up. <laughs> And, um, it's, yeah. and it's really great. And, you know, whether I want to put it in the back of the truck and then like hide it under the cover or even at the back seat of the truck, if you had a small SUV, you'd be able to put them in there. Um, and they don't weigh that much. They have those huge fat tires. You're really not mm-hmm. going to slide and fall off. And they've been so much fun. I didn't realize how fast they were too. Like you can easily get these things up to 25 miles an hour. It's probably the first time oh. in my life I've owned a bike helmet where I was like, okay, I got to get a bike helmet. If I'm going to be out there <laughs> doing 25 miles an hour down a road, I need to have a helmet on for sure. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. The one that I ordered folds up too. So when we're, when we're um, not recording, we'll have to share which brands we got. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Cause trust me, I, as you know, as a publisher of a magazine, I've reached out to these brands because I think it's such an, an interesting niche for full-time RVers because whether mm. you are like yourself in a class C, I didn't even ask if you have a toad, do you have a toad vehicle or is it just the class C? <laughs> 
Oh, okay. So I'm actually not in a class C anymore. So I, oh, <laughs> I'm wow. on my third RV. Nice. I'm on my third RV in, um, in four, four years, I guess. There you go. Um, so no, I started with a class C and then I was like, Oh, I just want a class A. I want that big front window. And, um, so I bought a class A and then in the beginning of 2020, I thought that I was going to be in Greece for a good part of the year and traveling internationally. And so I got rid of my class A and then um, the pandemic happened. And so I actually bought a travel trailer. And so I have a travel trailer and I pull it with a 12 passenger Chevy Express van, um, which is like a three quarter ton pickup essentially. And, um, it allows me to have the van, um, for storage and the travel trailer is light and easy and it doesn't have any slide outs that will break (laughs) or anything like that. But best of all, it has this massive back window that I love. Um, so if I get good, um, parking spots, I have million dollar views. That's very, very cool. Yeah, I, I always find it weird when I see these uh, travel trailers. Um, and then obviously most Class A's are this way, where like the the bedroom's in the back. And, you know, for me, my living room's in the back. But I'm always backing into like the best spots. And I spend most of the day, like, you know, like right now I'm in my office and I'm able to just look out the window. It's funny, I've stopped asking people if that's your only rig, because I've just been, that's my only rig. And I literally, I think like two episodes started asking. I'm going to go back to asking because it's funny that you've had three since then. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming there's no, there's not 12 seats in the van anymore. It's just the original had 12 seats. No. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah you'll be able to, I took them out. you'll be I able to fold a bike seat. in that so easily. And it's just really nice yeah. when you have to, you know, even with us, we have a big truck, not a dually or anything, but just to go like, you know, maybe it's just a little too far to walk, but it's, it's perfect for just a quick little bike ride. And especially you can ride it like mm-hmm. it's a motorcycle. It's so funny. So that's awesome that you're going awesome. gonna to love it. You're going to love it for sure. Well, I want to transition to something I call the high-low. Um, we'll start with the low. Uh, what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't expect that, you know, is kind of unique to this lifestyle, but uh, it can't be a flat tire, which we've already discussed, and it can't be bad internet or COVID-related, um, just more in and around the RV lifestyle that maybe there's been a low that you just didn't expect. Yeah, I think probably the most vulnerable low um, would be unexpected loneliness. Um, I'm a solo traveler, um, and I do meet a lot of people along the way, and that has been amazing, and it's been nice to kind of find this community throughout the country. Um, But then when you go your separate ways, things change and, you know, you're meeting different people, which is great. So I think originally that was an unexpected low um, to have this um, loneliness that would creep in every once in a while. However, that has changed for me and I've, done a lot of kind of soul searching and just become more self-aware and what, um, 
don't know what I'm trying to say, like how that, what that loneliness really is and does that outweigh my love for travel and the nomadic lifestyle and, you know, wanting to keep going and kind of finding out what's around the next corner. And so I've learned to, um, add in things like the kayaking and the biking and the photography to give me kind of that zest for life again. Um, in those times when I do feel a little bit of loneliness, however, and I know you said not to bring up (laughs) COVID in the lows, but definitely over this last year when we've all felt a sense of isolation and, you know, maybe some loneliness, just learning with like my core group of friends to really deal with, um, uh, communication virtually has actually kind of helped and, um, and just kind of they've now learned how to communicate virtually better if that makes sense yeah i do think it's i mean there's two really great points that i want to pull out that i think you kind of brought up at least the way i heard it was the the loneliness is there and it it really even if you're a, a couple traveling together or a family traveling together you can still feel that loneliness because you're trying to compare it to your sense of community that you had and, you know, for me, it's weird because I was, I like had this routine where I dropped my kids off at school and I went to the Starbucks and I sat at the Starbucks and did some emails, drank a coffee, got a refill and took the refill home and then worked from home. And <laughs> the Starbucks like started to get to know my name and my order. You know, there was this yeah. like cheers kind of moment that I really enjoyed. And I noticed I, that comes up when I'm in a Starbucks where I'm like, nobody knows me here. Like, you know, this is weird kind of a thing. And, but then I'm, What you said that I really liked was you have to do the math. Is the math of that kind of community being close to people where if you wanted to see them, you could versus what the positive of being able to travel and move around, like what does that equate to? Are you, are you going to be the same in a sense that if, you know, if the travel is a hundred and the community is, you know, 50 points. Okay. Well, I'm 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 going to be 50 points if I move back home, you know, kind of a thing if you did the math. And right now you're at 100 points and it's like it it actually is better. And I think a lot of times we we forget that quality versus quantity. And I think for a lot of us our relationships are really quantity based yes. rather than quality based. We just we see people at work. I've had people I worked with I thought were yes. great friends and then you lost the job and guess what? So did the friendship. Our yeah. common denominator was the job. It wasn't the friendship and or church or school or whatever it is. And that's always a weird kind of lesson. So I like the way you're saying it, that you had to like really think through like, is this sense of the community versus, you know, my ability to travel, what's more and what's less. And the other thing too is I think we as humans, when we have something, whether we use it or not, and it gets taken away, we freak out. Like, like I just remember reading like about where someone was getting freaked out that like the taxes, if you make over $400,000 a year was going up and someone asked him, how much do you make? I make $65,000. And I was like, why are you freaking out? You're like, you have to, you have to triple your income to even get close to where that, oh, I know, but I've got big plans. I'm okay. Well, the taxes could change by the time you get to the big plans. Focus on what you got. It was so weird that he was getting so worked up on something that had nothing to do with him. Um, and I feel like we do that too, in a sense that, you know, 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, like I, it was a bigger deal for me at the beginning of this journey. Um, and I was, you know, <clears throat> I guess felt lonely more often in the beginning, but then also just getting to know, cause there were so many unknowns to the RV lifestyle to me. And, and some of, there were some unknowns that were even just subconscious too, like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be driving 80 miles per hour <laughs> down the road in a class C. I didn't know that in the beginning. <laughs> I just took off and went. So, you know, the things you learned. So and it also like with, you know, the loneliness of the community and kind of the ease of doing things. So for example, um, uh, the year before, I don't remember what year, the year before last, I guess, I... Um, was like, oh, I can just park my RV in storage. I was in Florida and fly home with my dog for Christmas. He, you know, it wasn't that expensive to add on, you know, the dog ticket. I can fly home for Christmas for two weeks and go back to my RV in storage. And it was like, oh, I can do these things. <laughs> like this isn't that difficult to connect with family and friends like, when I need to, or, you know, want to, too. So it, it's a learning curve. Yeah. Or it's just, you know, seeing other people do it. I remember I'd probably been full-timing for about, I don't know, almost two years. And I interviewed someone on the podcast where they were full-time RVers, but they had a stationary Monday through, I think it was Thursday job. And then Friday morning, they just wheeled up and went traveling for the weekend somewhere and came back. And I remember oh. like, like that just, like that is total common sense. And the, but for me, I was like, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. You don't have to be remote really. And instead of packing yeah. from your house to your RV and your RV, it's just one of those things until you hear it and see it and someone else exposes it to you. It's so obvious, but then you're like, Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, what? So I want to make sure we get in a you know, high too. So what's been a high in yeah. this lifestyle that maybe what I like to refer to is I can't believe this is my life kind of moments. And you know, let me know one of those. Um, <laughs> this, this is really ridiculous, but when you said, I can't believe this is my life, this is, and I get it. I know you said that to bring up COVID, but maybe this is just the, the lack of, you know, entertainment and things we had to do over the last year. But I, like I said, I love being near water and things like seeing dolphins in the wild just while you're walking alongside an ocean <laughs> is like the moments when I'm thinking I could be in a house in Michigan with three feet of snow but I am walking along this path and there is dolphins just showing off next to me <laughs> it's it's just amazing so those those types of little moments I think are really the highs for me and I think with my career just being my own boss and having the freedom to work early in the morning so that I can have fun in the afternoon and then maybe I work again you know when the sun goes down but it's a great rhythm for me because I'm really enjoying life and also realizing that why not enjoy life now? Because when I am, if I ever retire, I might not have 
the capacity to do it, you right. know, then whether it's because of health or, or whatnot. So I think those are the highs for me, just um, the little unique things. Um, and I love, you know, meeting unique people and hearing people's stories along the way. I love that your moment was kind of a micro instead of, you know, the macro. I think a lot of times people, it's, we were in the yeah. Tetons and we woke up and it's five in the morning. I love what your experience is just, well, I mean, obviously being a, from Michigan, I, I don't know how big that lake is, but I'm pretty sure there's not dolphins, especially during the snow. So no, yeah, so that's <laughs> gotta be a, a really unique experience. But no. one thing I want to just time in before we kind of go into where people can find you. I think it's so amazing that when business owners or entrepreneurs are on the show, they talk about their workflow being where they kind of get up early, they get a bunch done, they spend most of the day or some of the day exploring, traveling, and doing things, and then they come back and they finish the day. And that's their schedule for them to make as much money as they possibly can or run their business. And it's so weird that when you work for someone, that schedule is not available. And it blows me away yeah. every time I hear it, every time. I mean, I you know, Nikki, my business partner, she has her own business as well, and I see her with kind of that schedule and I'm like, but no one, will, they just want you to work nine to five. And I'm like, why not have you work four in the morning until 10? If that's when you want to work, take four hours off, come back at two 30 and finish up till seven. Like it's so bizarre to me. It was just nice to hear you say it. Cause I think if there are people that are listening that are managers or have that kind of authority, why are you making, especially remote workers? Why are you making remote workers that aren't face to face or aren't answering calls from people work nine to five? It makes no sense when that's prime time to go out and do stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure there's da data that backs that I don't have it in front of me to point to, but um, that, you know, if people have those opportunities to take, you know, those breaks in the afternoon to go do things that are fun, that energize them, um, that get them out in outdoors I think it does make them happier and gives them more energy to get their projects done. So as long as they're getting their work done, they probably have a lot more energy to do so if they have opportunities to live. So it's kind of that idea of not um, living to work, but working to live. And then that can reflect in our productivity. I mean, I'm, again, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe there's quite a bit of data like around, some of the Nordic countries in Europe who practice um, a 32 or 38 hour work week. And then, you know, you get a month of vacation off kind of thing. Um, but I think that that's something that um, I hope like with this, more of this towards remote work in the U S um, kind of a lot of it as a result of the pandemic that, you know, maybe, companies will start to loosen up around those I hope boundaries. So too. I really do. I hope people allow, I think the first thing you should be doing when you check in with your employees is just, are they happy? And not to the point where they feel they have to answer it correctly to keep their job. And it's funny with the, I have a very small staff and when I talk to them, it's one of the first things like, how's the job going? Are you enjoying it? Are you having fun? Like those are the things I'm more worried about because the tasks are obviously getting done. So then everything else is just, are you having fun? Are you having a good time? Do you feel like it's too much, too little stress, not stress, that kind of stuff. Um, where can people find you though? Cause I know we talked about these two businesses and I definitely want to give a shout out to both in case they're interested. And remember folks, I'm going to write all this down below. 
So you can go into the show notes, whatever podcast listener you're listening to, and be able to click directly to these. But Julie, where can people find you for both? And then if you're doing anything personal where people can follow you and ask questions as well. Yeah, thanks. Um, So for the travel business, um, you can find it at, it's called Creative Travel Connections. I know it's a, (laughs) it's a big phrase, but it's creativetravelconnections.com. And then we have all the socials. And then um, there's also, if anyone happens to be interested in Greece specifically, um, I have GreekIslandGuides.com, and there's all the socials for that as well. And then the pet boutique is um, OrganicPetBoutique.com, and there's all the socials for that as well. Awesome, awesome. And do you do any kind of like a... I don't know, keeping track of your travel, whether on IG or YouTube or anything like that, and have people follow you there. And if you don't, don't worry about it. Some people say no, they don't, and it's never a bad thing. Um, I don't actually. I use the Creative Travel Connections um, blog and Instagram for kind of any, you know, anytime I travel, it kind of goes to at least the Instagram, um, if not the blog as well. Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, Julie, if people have questions about any of these things, I mean, think through it, folks. If you're thinking of traveling abroad, here's a great contact for you. Uh, If you're a solo traveler and you have questions on that, if you're thinking about pivoting in your business, there's stuff there too. I mean, there's a lot of really great stuff in this episode. So thank you so much, Julie, for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Julie for coming on the show. And I really hope this inspires anyone that is thinking about hitting the road and running your own business to think about maybe having two business ideas. If you want more information or to connect with the guests that have been on the show today, just head down into the show notes, click on any of the links. And if you do reach out to them, let them know you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, Make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.